couple weeks ago, I was thinking about what to uh, talk on, and Ryan said, make it practical, and so I said, well, what's some of the biggest things that I have a problem with? And I thought, well, I got a lot of problems, things I deal with, but it seems like the everyday grind sometimes, and staying in the Word, and uh, dealing with issues, uh, issues that are internal or external, how do you deal with those every single day? You know, we've all been to the mountaintop. We've been to a seminar on family, and we come away feeling pumped about our marriages. We've been to a seminar on kids, how to raise kids, and you walk away thinking, great, I think I can get a handle on this. Uh, you've been to Promise Keepers, and you just you come away feeling like I can be a, a better man of God. And then Monday hits, and what happens? It's like a big balloon, and it just gets popped, and you just feel totally deflated. And you're like, Lord, how, how can I feel so good on, on Saturday or Sunday? And then Monday morning, when your boss isn't happy with you, or your wife nags at you, or your husband won't do what you think he should do, and I snap. And usually it only takes about a day, it seems like, for me. Um, you know, I don't even make it to Tuesday most of the time. So I thought, well, we'll, we'll go over that and maybe come up with some, some good ideas. So we're going to come down from the mountaintop, and we're going to walk through the desert a little bit today. And we're going to look at some things that can be either an oasis or it can be a mirage. And it's up to us sometimes to decide what, what it is. And we're going to look at the life of Abraham. So you can turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. And back in Hebrews, I'll read a little bit from Hebrews 11, verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which is foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He gets listed in the, in the lineup of the heroes of faith right there. And so sometimes, I remember as a kid thinking that, uh, you know, he was probably a pretty good guy and never made any mistakes. How many of you have had somebody in your, in your life, a father or a mother or a, a pastor maybe, a teacher, that as you're growing up, you just think, man, they just never make any mistakes. And when I ask them a question, they always have the right answer. Uh, they just do everything right. And then you get to know that person, maybe on a personal level, and you realize that they have the same struggles that you do. Some of the greatest men of God have struggled with anger or marriages or uh, you name it, and they've struggled with it. Um, There is nobody that's immune to that. And so how do we reconcile uh, some of the scriptures um, that say, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've read that and thought, that isn't right. His yoke's not easy and his burden's not light. Uh, and then there's other scriptures that say you will go through trials and tribulations. And you say, well, I, I relate to that one. That one, I can, I can deal with that. I know, I know that happens to me. So how do we reconcile those, those two uh, things in our lives? 
You know, the Bible tells us to be perfect. Are we perfect? Don't go to the perfect church because you'll screw it up. You know, every one of us. There's nobody perfect, and the Bible says that. There's, no, there's none perfect. There's no, none righteous, not even one, except one, and that's Jesus. Uh, so let's pray as we get into the life of Abraham. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to talk about your word, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, cover any inadequacies that I might have in, in what I say. And, and Lord, if I say the right thing, I just pray that uh, you would cover that and that the people would hear the message and not the messenger, Lord. Uh, so I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here today as we look at the life of Abraham and realize that we are not perfect, Lord, and neither were the heroes of faith. They went through the same things that we did, Lord, and just help us to learn from their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Genesis chapter 11, it starts with the story of Abraham. And Abraham was a man, and he lived in Ur the Chaldees. And some of you might know that that's in the area of Iran. And so, technically, I guess he was an Iranian. And God called him out from there and said, I'm going to make a new people out of you. And I'm going to take you into a land where you've never been before. Uh, When we moved to Oregon, I moved my wife up here, and she had never been to Oregon, uh, at least this area. And uh, that was an act of faith for her. I don't know that I could have done that, you know, but she trusted me to make the right decisions. And Abraham was willing to do that. And he left Ur of the Chaldees, but he didn't get real far. He got to, from southern Mesopotamia, he got up to northern Mesopotamia, and there he lived for a few more years until um, his father died. And so he didn't, didn't quite follow exactly what God was telling him. Um, but eventually he did, and he, he took the promise. Uh, he grasped that and headed for the land of Canaan. And in Genesis 11, let's see, let's start at verse 27. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in in his native land in Ur of the Chaldees. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, starting in chapter 12, Get out from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the, nation, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. So the first oasis or mirage that I want to talk about is our friends. You can have bad friends and you have good friends. And when we're going through those everyday trials of life, I think friends are really important. Um, we were getting together on Tuesday mornings for a while, and Blaine and Greg and I were usually the ones that were there. And it was a great time to pour out things that, that maybe we'd been going through uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday mornings. Uh, 
after we'd went through those Mondays where our balloons had been busted. And uh, it's a great encouragement to have good friends and to be able to tell them the struggles that you're going through. We need to, we need to uh, talk about our failures. We need to tell each other the things that we're not capable of handling. And then we can pray for each other and be an encouragement to each other. And it makes things a lot easier um, if I know that I can give one of you a call when I'm going through struggles. And I think we need to realize that and, and reach out to those around of us. Uh, sometimes we get so caught up in our daily lives that we just forget about you know, the other people at church, the other Christians that we know. And we get caught up with our jobs and our lives away from church. But we need to be willing to, to step out and call each other and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? And be an encouragement to each other. And that's what Abraham did is he... He went into a totally different environment and had totally different, a totally different set of friends and uh, uh, circumstances. Um, I'm sorry, circumstances is what I'm looking for here. Uh, friends, that'll be next. But circumstances, he changed his whole atmosphere. God took him from Iran clear to Israel. And it was a huge change for him. How many of us are comfortable where we've lived? We've lived there for a long time, and we don't want to move. We have the same circumstances, the same job, the same uh, daily routine, and sometimes we just need to get out of that, get out of the box, so to speak, and change our atmosphere. Start coming to church. Uh, what better atmosphere is there than to hang out with fellow believers? You know, show up at the barbecues on Wednesday night if you can. It's a great time of fellowship. And... Uh, God can use a change of environment sometimes to help us to deal with the struggles that we're going through every day. Skipping down to Genesis twelve eleven, And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt, so he makes it all the way over to Israel. He's there a little while, and there's a famine. And now, I don't read anywhere where, it told, where God told him to go to Egypt. He told him to go to Canaan. But look what Abraham does. It came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. He picked some different friends than God had picked for him. And look what happened. When the going got tough, he lied. And how many of us have done that? And maybe it wasn't lying, but it was, it was uh, you know, going along with something that, that we knew we should not have gone along with. Um, you know, I've known kids that, that got caught stealing something because they were with the wrong friends. And your friends have, uh, like they say, birds of a feather flock together. And our friends, we're known by our friends. And so be careful, really careful, who you choose as a friend. Um, here, he went down and made friends with the Egyptians and immediately compromised his principles. Was Sarai, was she his sister? She was. She was his half-sister. So it was maybe only a half-lie. Is there any such thing as a half-lie? 
he was doing it to deceive and save his own skin so he didn't get killed and they took, would take his wife to be Pharaoh's wife. And so he compromised because he made the wrong friends. Obviously, this was something that Abraham dealt with because we'll see a little bit later on that almost the exact same thing happens. So make good friends. Make friends of people who, who have the same values and ideals that you have and who keep Jesus first in your life, in their lives. Because uh, it's a lot easier uh, to walk with the Lord if you're walking with people who also walk with him. Let's jump over to chapter 14, verse 22. But Abram, we're going to talk here about perspective. The third thing is perspective. Who, who do you think God is? Do you believe those songs that you sang this morning? How great thou art? Do you believe that? You're all I need. Do we really believe that on Monday mornings? When... You know, a coworker snaps at us. Can we believe that when we're going through those times when we don't have the money to pay our bills? Do you believe how great thou art? It's pretty tough sometimes to believe that at those times. At least for me it is. Um, I struggle with that, you know, when I don't have the money to pay something. And I want to say, Lord, you know, if you're so great, why don't you give me some money to pay my bills? And... Even in those times, we need to realize that if we really believe that he's the God of the universe and he controls all the money in the world, he'll take care of us. But we just we have to trust in him. And so we need to rearrange our perspective sometimes because sometimes we think that maybe he is God just of Sunday, but he's not. He's the God of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way to Saturday. He's the God of your finances. He's the God of your marriage. How many of us are have marriage problems we've hit rough spots in our marriage and God's always been there Um, I got I don't want to say lucky but very blessed with the wife I got um, because she was just the right woman for me and it's been a total blessing to to have a woman in my life I don't have to worry about divorce and maybe some of you have been through those times when you do, and I can't really empathize with you. But I can maybe empathize with you in areas of finance, or I can empathize with Ryan last week as he went through losing a father. I just lost my father four years ago. And so there's always somebody in the Christian world, our church family, that can sympathize with you with what you're going through. And we need to reach out to each other and help us change our perspective about who God is and realize that he is the God of our marriages. He is the God of of Monday mornings. Fourteen twenty-two. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Did he have the right perspective? He knew who God was. He knew that God could provide for all his needs. And he was willing to tell someone who was going to give him a lot of, a lot of the booty. They had just had a battle and taken a lot of loot. And he wasn't willing to take any of it because he trusted in God to take care of all his needs. 
And so he, he rejected taking any of that because he was afraid that God's name would be compromised and that somebody else besides the maker of heaven and earth would get the credit. And we need to all be concerned about that in anything we do. Make sure Jesus gets the credit for everything that we do. So Abraham, he did have a good perspective. Uh, Matthew sixteen sixteen, when uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he said, Who do you say that I am? And they said, Well, some say you're Elias, and some say you're a prophet. But what did Peter say right there? You are Christ, the Son of the living God. His perspective was right. At that point, I don't think he quite understood all that he was saying, because a little bit later on, you'll see that Maybe his perspective was screwed up, but he had the right he had the right idea at that point in time. The last two um, oases that I want to talk about are probably two of the most important, and that's prayer and the word. Uh, Genesis seventeen three, moving along a little bit farther in the story of Abraham. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. He'd made made this promise a lot of times to Abraham. And now Abraham's getting older and older, and still no no fulfillment of this this covenant. And Abraham screwed up. He, He tried to do it his way, ended up with a son named Ishmael. And we all know how that's worked out. We're still dealing with that today. Uh, the Arabs versus the Jews. It's a constant battle. But here, uh, in this situation, Abraham falls on his face and, and says, As for me, behold, or God talks to him and says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and with a father, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant. Between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. So he, he reiterates this, uh, this covenant. And Abraham is there listening to God. And sometimes I think we have a screwed up perspective of what prayer really is. And sometimes I think it's just listening to God. And sometimes we just need to get away into a quiet place. Uh, and listen to what God has to say to us. And usually that's going to be accompanied by the fifth oasis, and that's getting into the Word. Um, But a relationship with Jesus isn't saying, Lord, can you give me this? Can you give me that? Can you do that in my life? Can you heal me of this? He might heal you of cancer, but he might not. He might give you millions of dollars, cover your bills but he might not and sometimes we think that we're second rate Christians because we can't do the things that we feel like we need to do or we we struggle uh, maybe with bad language I know for me that's a huge one I've worked in the construction industry for 20 years and all I've heard are four letter words and you know what sometimes I, I tend to do when I get mad or smash my thumb I use four-letter words. And do we have to be perfect? Yes, we do. But how do we be perfect? It's not our perfection. It's Jesus. 
And even if I say a four-letter word, he's going to cover that. And it doesn't make me a second-rate Christian if I've accepted his blood into my life. Because he's already covered it on the cross. And so it's just as if I never did it. He's justified it and covered that sin. It might be sleeping with my girlfriend. It might be uh, cheating on my taxes. And do we need to repent of those sins? Absolutely. And do we need to try to not do it next time? We need to try with everything in our being to be a light to those around us. Is that a good light if I swear in front of a non-Christian? It's not a good light at all. And the closer we are to the light, the brighter we'll shine. And so we need to have a relationship. We need to have fellowship with him. And that's what prayer is. It's understanding what he wants for us and just listening to what he has to say sometimes. Um, there is times when we ask for things. I ask for things in my children's life. I ask for, for protection for Madison while she's at Avid. You know, I've, I've prayed desperately that my kids would know Jesus, that no matter what, they would keep Jesus first in their life. And that prayer is always on my heart. And I bet you every one of you parents pray that same prayer. It just scares me to death that I wouldn't spend eternity with all five of my kids. I've actually prayed, Lord, if they're not going to follow you and serve you all the days of their life, just take them right now. Don't let them mess anybody else up. But I want to spend eternity. We're just living for a dot here, people. Just a dot. Think of a line that goes round and round the world a million times. And that's still not even close to eternity. And all this life is is a dot. So when you're going through those things every single day, Tuesday through Saturday, keep your perspective right, that you're living for the line and you're not living for the dot. Genesis 18.3. He's there in his tent, and he lifts up his eyes, and he looks, and behold, in verse 2 it says, Three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground. And said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. He recognized, and I believe this was, this was Jesus in the flesh, um, but he recognized the living word. And we're fortunate enough these days that not only do we have the, the living word in our lives, we have the written word. And we can pick up this book, and we, get, we can get any answer that we need right here. There's... I've read through it a couple times in a year, and it's, it's a little bit tough to do that. But, man, is it rewarding. And read all the Word. And that's what I love about Calvary Chapel and Ryan's teachings, is he teaches the whole Word. He doesn't skip any parts of it. But read the whole Word. Be in touch with the Word. Be in touch with the living Word. And think about what Jesus would have you do in every situation. So those are five things that can help us through Tuesday through Saturday. 
circumstances. If you need to change your, your atmosphere, change it. Quit going to the bar. Uh, you know, start going to church instead or start hanging out at the oasis and helping out somebody else. Change your friends if you need to. Bad friends are, are one of the biggest mirages there is. Man, you think you see something there? There's nothing there. Get good friends. Your perspective. Realize that believe what you're seeing on Sunday mornings about who God is. And finally, prayer and the Word. Just develop that relationship with God. And that includes reading His Word. Read it every day. I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. You know, I get busy with work. And I, I forget to pick up the Word and read it every day. Even if it's a start with two verses. But determine in your heart to stay in the Word. Uh, you know, Blaine gets here on five thir- at 5.30 on Tuesday mornings. And invariably he'd say, yeah, as, as I was reading this morning, and I'm thinking, as you were reading this morning... That was a powerful testimony to me that even before a 5.30 Bible study, he was reading the Word. And I struggle with that. Uh, and Blaine, you've been an encouragement to me in that. So thank you. All right. Let's go down to Genesis 22. And we're going to... finish up with another another thing that happened in the life of Abraham before we finish up here. Uh, and to me, this is one of the, the greatest stories in the Bible. And let's just read the, about the offering of Isaac in chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Now realize that he waited a lot of years to have a son. He was so old that he didn't think he could have kids. And now God is telling him to take him, and he's going to tell him to offer him as a sacrifice. Doesn't sound like a very merciful God, does it? Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now do you think Abraham was saying, Lord, why me? Why, when you've given me this, are you going to take it away? How many of us have asked that? Why me? Why, why did that business deal go bad? Or, or why did I lose my job? You know, construction workers are not in very good shape right now. There's a lot of them losing their jobs. And, and you just want to say, Lord, why me? Why couldn't things just, just float along and keep going like they were? 
And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And I don't know about you, but I picture, I picture him there with the knife. And he had it upraised. And I think he drove that in with every force that he had. And I think that knife was right there. And there is nothing in Abraham's power that he could have stopped it. He was fully committed to sacrificing his son. And I think that knife blade was just touching the skin. And the angel reached out. There's Abraham was fully committed. And there was nothing that he could do to stop it if God wouldn't have stopped it for him. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything t- to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And are we willing to, to sacrifice whatever it is in our life that seems to be going so well? Are you willing to sacrifice all your finances? Are you willing to sacrifice teaching children's church? That might be a sacrifice for some of you. Probably would be for me. I know it would be. Because they are stinky and disobedient and all the above. But you know what? God might be calling you to, to step to the plate and sacrifice that part of your life. So why, why is it that things happen to us? And some of these things are external and some are internal. But why is it that God sends those things our way? James 1, 2, and 3 says, Count it all joy when you fall into testing. Can you count it all joy? It's pretty tough because I just don't like going through stuff like that. Are you willing to, to count it a joy when your marriage is falling apart? Are you willing to count it a joy when your kids are disobedient and going down the wrong path? Why does God test us? And I'm just going to throw out seven, seven areas that God, uh, why he allows testing in our life, and we'll close. I think a better question sometimes, rather than why does bad things happen to good people, is why shouldn't bad things happen to good people? Who better to go through things, to go through the, the crucible, to go through the fire, than a Christian that can handle it? Who knows? Who has the right perspective? Who better to go through that stuff? And here's seven things uh, why God allows testing in our lives. Number one, it helps us empathize. If I go through losing my father, I can understand what Ryan's going through. And I can be an encouragement to him that, hey, you know, I made it. The Lord was with me. He'll be with you. Share your failures. You know, sometimes we want to we have our lives just look perfect. And we're not perfect people. So don't worry about sharing your failures. Second Corinthians 1.4. Just read that real quick. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, 
that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we can empathize with other people when things happen to us. So maybe that's why you're going through something. How about testing? God just wants to test us and he see how strong we are sometimes. Uh, think of the life of Job. That was a test in Job's life. It's not temptation. It's a testing. It's a strengthening. Sometimes he might want to just change our direction. What happened with Jonah? He sent some pretty radical, a radical storm into Jonah's life just to get him to turn around. Number four, think the life of Joseph. God wanted to prepare him for greater things. And he was, he was in the prison for years. And Joseph knew good and well he hadn't done anything wrong. You think that would have been tough to go through? Been pretty tough. But what did it prepare Joseph for? He, came, he became second in the kingdom and saved the land of Israel uh, through, a, through a time of famine. Sometimes God just wants to get our attention. He just has trouble getting our attention. Uh, you think of 9-11. How many people were in church the next Sunday? There was a lot of people in church next, the next Sunday after 9-11. Why wouldn't God do that again to get people back in church? Sometimes God has nothing to do with it. We did it ourselves. We made a bad business decision. I know that happened to me. That wasn't God because I had some trouble paying some bills. That's not God's fault. That was my fault. Uh, think of the life of Saul. He got himself in all sorts of trouble because he was disobedient. It wasn't God. Judas. Judas made a bad decision. Peter. And I look at the difference of those, how it turned out. Peter repented. The other two didn't. And Peter became one of the, the main leaders of the early church. And this one, I don't know if any of you have ever prayed this one, but I think sometimes we go through testing because we desire it. And I know I've prayed a few times that, Lord, that family's going through something that I could never handle, I don't think. Or, or maybe it's just a, a really tough time and you think maybe they couldn't handle it. And I pray, Lord, send some of their problems to me. And that's a tough prayer to pray. And I don't know if he does that or not, but I know I've prayed that prayer. Uh, you know, Lord, that, that family's going through a tough time. You know, send some of their problems my way instead of theirs. So that's seven, seven uh, reasons that, that we go through testing. And I think Abraham get a, had a good handle on that. You know, he... he not only lied one time, but he went to another land a few years later and did the exact same thing and said, Lord, or uh, told the, it was a king of Gerar that she's my sister. So he didn't quite get it figured out the first time. And we do the same things, but it doesn't make us second rate because God's covered all of it. And we need to remember that. Um, we've talked about prayer. And there will be some people up here to pray afterwards. And I would like every one of you to consider, if you don't need 
somebody to pray for you, come up and pray for those of us that are standing up here. I'd like to see a long line here every Sunday. Or come up and sit in the chair and just wait until somebody's available. But it's a, it's a tool that we can use, uh, a way of, of sharing our failures and having a deeper relationship with God and those around us. And we would love to pray with you uh, afterwards. And like I said, if you have nothing that you feel like you need, then come up and pray for us. And it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be long. But just come up and put your hands on our shoulders and, and pray for us. Um, it's, a, it's a huge encouragement when people do that. So take a look at that in your own life. Uh, and consider that at least. Let's have the worship team come up, and we'll have a last song. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, just being with us, for leading us, Lord, in every aspect of our life, for being a Monday morning, Lord, and not just a Sunday, uh, God. Lord, just help us through the, the trials of that we go through, the times when we think that we don't know what to do. Uh, we just know that you're there. And just help us to feel your presence at those times. Uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to share this morning, Lord. And I just pray that your word uh, would be heard and that it, it would reach out to each one of us, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, and just help us to turn there when we... We have struggles and trials in our life. We just thank you so much for being the great God of the universe. In Jesus' name.